Soaring in from high above Eastern Michigan University, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast with your host, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. What better way to celebrate an Eastern Michigan victory on the gridiron than having yourself a slice of pumpkin cheesecake? Not only are we approaching everybody's favorite holiday, Halloween, right? Or Thanksgiving, you take your pick, but you get to little celebrate. We're like the whipped cream on your pumpkin cheesecake. I'm Greg Steiner. And I'm Alex Jewell. Thanks for tuning in for this installment of the Eastern Insider Podcast. A wonderful Monday to each of you. Lots going on this week, so we're going to get right at it. Women's golf in action today, not only in Florida, but they're also at the Chippewa Invitational. Eagles trying to make it three straight wins on the golf course. Follow along on emueagles.com for that. And then we also have men's golf as they wrap up their year uh in at least in 2019 before they put the clubs away for the winter they're down in little rock arkansas a little golf to get your whistle wet for the, the week alex how many national holidays do we just need a national holiday every day i just don't understand how we can have so many holidays but don't forget uh also on thursday this week greg we've got a rare home double header between two different sports we've got soccer kicking things off with akron at home at 4 p.m and then you can come back once it starts getting a little chilly outside around that seven o'clock hour you can make your way inside the convocation center where volleyball will take on buffalo at seven and of course that precurses a Friday cross-country home meet. Finally, the, the men's and women's cross-country team are home. Uh, they're going to be hosting the EMU Fall Classic, which will be in Dexter, Michigan. And then another home event on Saturday with women's swimming, bringing in Miami at 2 p.m. They're coming off of Derek Perkins' first meet here as the head coach of the swimming program. And, of course, Buck is with the diving program, and they're off to a good start. Hopefully they'll be able to claim victory on Saturday. And then, of course, Saturday too, Greg, I know we're traveling to one of your favorite uh, Mac venues, the Glass Bowl of Toledo for football. Yeah, nothing like going to the Glass Bowl, uh, a historic venue uh, that is one of the finer facilities, not always the the most spacious of visiting locker rooms, but certainly a nice uh, spacious complex that everybody enjoys going to. But the Eagles have not won there in a very long time. 1999, the last time Eastern Michigan pulled off a victory in the Glass City. They'll have an opportunity to do so this weekend when Chris Creighton and crew roll into Toledo for the 3.30 kickoff. It'll be interesting as we get Coach Creighton's thoughts a little later in the show. Um... Uh, the progress of Mike Glass. Will Preston Hutchinson return at quarterback uh, under center this week following his Mid-American Conference record-setting performance that saw him toss for the 24th most yards in a single game in EMU history? It was also one that saw him earn Player of the Week honors, as well as Jake Julian, who earned Player of the Week honors for the sixth time in his career uh, five in a row last year at one point, and then adds one today. Well, in the spirit of the World Series getting underway tomorrow, here's another little plug-in obscure fact for you. With Jake Julian's honor, that's now nine out of the last 20 Mac Player of the Weeks in the special team teams category has come from Eastern Michigan. So uh, obviously Coach Jay Nunez doing things right with his crew over there. But of course, Preston was the star of the show this weekend, stepping in his first career start as a sophomore and tossing 31 of 36 passes, running a touchdown in, throwing for three through the air and commanding his team 
to their first win over Western Michigan in quite some time. Coach Creighton's first win over Western as well. I know that was a big one for him uh, to knock off Tim Lester and the Broncos. It was, and you look at it inside the stats. Uh, they, they racked up yards early, but did not move the football nearly as much late. Tip of the cap to Neil Nethery and the defense for changing that. The Broncos have as many touchdowns as they had three and outs in that contest, which you haven't been able to say all year long. No, and something that was really impressive, too, was after uh, the first couple of drives where Levante Bellamy, their star running back, really got things going, we adjusted well. The defense came back and, and limited him. They held John Wasink under 200 yards passing, which a lot of p- people have not been able to do this year. And most importantly, the offense put together some really long drives, Greg, four drives of 10 or more plays. That hasn't happened yet this year, including a season-long drive of 17 yards over six minutes off the clock. It was uh, It was really spectacular to see. Both uh, team, both sides of the ball working together, and something that Coach Creighton's talked to you about, I know that the fans and the listeners will be able to hear, is about the complimentary football that was really played this week. It seemed like every player, no matter where they were on the field or even the ones off the field that were there supporting the team, I, Mike Glass was the biggest one of them all, running up and down the sidelines, being supportive, getting the fans engaged. It seems like every single person that had a role was playing a big role in the game, and obviously it was needed to beat a good team like Western. And we also continue our other conversations this week. I know you get to to catch up with Tom Helmer and a, a view from the booth. Tom, on the field the last few weeks as he's uh, shifted to the sideline role, he'll return back up to the press box uh, later on in the season for Matt's absence, but uh, a good catch up with Tom. Oh, it's always great to sit down with Tom and get Tom's takes on uh, some of the action from this past week and also looking forward, you know, He's uh he, he's not quite a uh, Tony Pacos fan like I was expecting, of course, but uh, it, it was great to hear from Tom about his sideline experience this week. It, one thing we didn't talk about is the fact that when Jeff Hubbard brought down the interception to all but seal the deal against Western, uh, he and I definitely embraced and hugged that he did not know was coming as I went up right from behind him and gave him a big bear hug uh, to, to celebrate uh, what was a much-deserved win. And then I also got to sit down uh, today with Kemp Savage, of course the head coach of our rowing program in his sixth season. They're coming off maybe the most impressive performance of his career here at Eastern, a fifth-place finish at the head of the Charles. And for those that don't know, that's a very prestigious race. It's an invite-only race. We had our Varsity 8 boat there. And to finish top five, I mean, they beat teams like Penn, Boston College, some really, really solid uh, rowing teams, and that all automatically gets them an invite for next year. So we talked about that, but we also talked about the program as well and how far it's come with him at the helm and what we can expect for Eastern Michigan rowing in the future. And then do we also want to remind people as of those great conversations, you too can have a great conversation coming up on next Wednesday. That's the final coaches luncheon of the year. That's at Big Alora in Ann Arbor, noon on Wednesday, lunch with the coach to get you set for kickoff on Saturday, a nationally televised contest November 2nd against Buffalo on ESPNU. But still your chance to catch the Eagles at home this weekend. We did not uh, tell remind people that Saturday at 5 o'clock against Akron Volleyball will host their annual Dig Pink match, uh, where Pink come out and support the Eagles against the Zips of Akron. And then on Sunday, shuffle back out to Cicluna. It's uh, time for Buffalo to come in for Senior Day at Cicluna Field to come out and support your Eastern Eagles. So a busy week, Alex, only to get us ready 
for the calendar to flip to November and some action. Oh, it's a, it's a super busy week. We've got pumpkin cheesecake. We've got all the sports rolling. We've got good to meet the balls at Big Alora next Wednesday. We've got basketball coming up. We've got midweek matching. Oh, it's an exciting time of year, everybody. Get your green and white on and get excited, because right after this, we've got Greg and Coach Creighton sitting down here on the Eastern Insider Podcast. Once again, it came down to the last moments of a contest, but Eastern Michigan proved victorious over rival Western Michigan. 34-27, the final score as Eastern knocks off the rivals for the first time under head coach Chris Creighton's tenure. He joins us now, and good moment to get off uh, a victory over your rivals. I know you've had so many close competitive games with Western. It finally bounced your way down the stretch. Does it feel any different to, to get a rivalry victory like that? All, you know, victories when you play well feel good. And I I feel as though, you know, as a program, we really responded to a tough stretch. Um, So that part felt special. You know, again, playing playing for six years and not having beaten them. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something that feels good about, you know, getting that getting that first victory as well. Mike Glass banged up and unable to, to dress and, and get ready for the game and even practice much. So it proved preparation time for your sophomore quarterback, Preston Hutchinson, and uh, a phenomenal job he did. The 24th most passing yards in a single game and the best in a EMU quarterback debut in any game that I can find. Uh, the accolades starting to, to roll in, but more impressively to you, he didn't turn over the football and he managed the game plan well, didn't he? He did. Yep. He you know, this is not taking anything away from him, but he didn't do anything extraordinary. And that that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was, uh, if, if something was extraordinary is that he was, you know, so well prepared and he was confident and he executed the game plan. Um, and, you know, he's been making those reads for, for three years now, just not in games. And um, he, he is, you know, it's hard. I've been a second string quarterback and it's hard when you're watching film and it's not of yourself, you know, and you just don't really know whether you're going to get a chance to play or not. But he has prepared, always has, is, as though he's going to be playing the game. And all of that work, you know, paid off for him uh, Saturday because he, he really did have a great game. You also get the the return of three other players, two of them for the first time this year. Shaq Van returns at running back. You also got the the services of Javelin Phelps and Ty Eddington back. And the three of those guys all made good impacts on this game as well. Yeah, you know, it's constantly somewhat of a revolving door, you know, from game to game with guys who are banged up and whatnot. And, um, you know, both Jalen and Ty, it's their first action all year. Um, and then, you know, Illinois was a long time ago with, with Shaq. So it's uh, great having them back on the field. And, but it's also just, you know, for them, um, you know, to, to be playing again. That's how it's supposed to be. And so it's just it's a good thing all around. Possessions were at a premium. I know you talked about it in the press conference a little bit today, but you look at it and, and the numbers and possessions were down because of long time consuming drives that both teams had, especially in that first half. But the other thing that changed was 
Western had chunk yards in the first half, but then you look at the stats and they finish almost uh, 200 yards total offense less than you. Four, three and outs that the defense was able to produce against a, a very talented Western offensive club. Very, very talented. And, and you know, our defense came up big. They came up big uh, in that last drive where they forced a three and out. Um, of the first half, um, which enabled us to get the ball and go down and score before the end of the half, which got us into the game at 10 to 14. And then in the the second half, um, played even better than they did in the in the first half. And so talking to Coach Nethery, he didn't feel great about the first drive, um, you know, or the last drive, but pretty good about, um, you know, most of it in between. You know, we're a work in progress everywhere. We took some steps forward this week. But there's so much more that we have to do to get to get better. And, you know, it was a, a game where, you know, we demonstrated some complimentary football. And, uh, and I just made that example there at the end of the first half. At the end of the second half, offense got the ball back with a minute, 51 seconds. We went down and scored. Defense intercepted, mm-hmm. you know, to all but seal the game. Then we bled the clock and then punted. You know, so you're talking about the 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 offense, the defense, and the special teams all working together, and and every one of those phases, but every every play in those those three series was absolutely critical to win that game. I know you're not a, a big guy on believing on on player of the week accolades, but you do get two of them today. Preston gets it as well as Jake Julian. Seventh time this year that your team has been singled out for their play on the field by the Mid-American Conference. When you start to see numbers add up like that, feel good moments for your team, though. Oh, listen, I absolutely want our guys to get recognized and, and to get awards and, and all of those things. It's just, you know, the the focus on any of us as individuals is not what we're ever going to be focused on. But, um, oh, shoot, our whole team will take pride in the fact that those two guys got awards. That's fantastic. I just, I mean, I can say that just listening to Preston's press conference, you know, there, there's no issue, you know, with him feeling about himself, uh, you know, a way Mm -hmm. that he shouldn't be. I mean, he just is a, a total team player and, but congratulations to those two guys for getting those awards. This week, your opponent becomes the Toledo Rockets, the preseason favorite in the Mac West, a, a team that your club knocked off last year here in Rynearson, 28-26 as Freddie McGee poked a two-point conversion away. Uh, that was kind of Mike Glass's breakout game last year, but only was able to play a half, and then you had to uh, hang on in the second half. But as this week, you, you look back at that game and, and get prepared for Toledo, what stands out at you again about last year's contest? Well, last year's contest, you know, what followed a four-game losing streak with the overtime games and the close losses and all that. And, you know, uh, our guys just sticking with it and holding together and then played really good football, particularly, you know, for a half. And defense really held on throughout, you know, that game. And so we got a, a victory and our first, you know, in my tenure against against Toledo. So and then that allowed for us to have a pretty strong finish second half of the season. There's a reason why they were picked to win our side um, of the bracket. I think they've always been the most talented team. They've got a very rich and proud tradition. Uh, they're well coached. And, uh, you know, going down there after they've suffered two losses that they probably didn't foresee coming is going to be our greatest challenge of the year. As you, you're you well aware, I mean, the quarterback really drives how the offense goes. And Toledo has been without their signal caller, at least last game, dealing with concussion-like symptoms. How much 
of any impact does it mean to a team when they don't have their heart and soul under center? Well, you don't know whether, you know, that's a team's heart and soul. I mean, a quarterback is obviously a critical position. They all are. Every one of their quarterbacks, you know, and I don't know their specific situations, but their scholarship, their Division I football players, throughout the years, then in the next 10 years, Toledo is going to have quarterbacks that might be the best. Their next three quarterbacks might be the best that they've ever had. You never know. I mean, so every team's got got good players. There's a reason, though, why guys are starters. And, you know, sometimes you have a situation where it's like, hey, we're two or three deep. We know it. And, you know, we're going to be okay. And and sometimes you're you're unsure. It's an untested deal. I mean, Preston hadn't really taken any snaps. Um, we knew he was a good player and was prepared and all that stuff. But there's something about getting out there and actually doing it. But I think also, you know, a team can can rally when when a leader or, or a critical position is down. And so, again, I, I don't know what's going on down there. Um, we're, we're preparing, you know, for any of those quarterbacks to be playing. But I just know that uh, <laughs> Toledo will play the best football this season in five days. 3.30 at the Glass Bowl kickoff is Eastern Michigan and Toledo. We wish you the best of luck, coaches. Eagles try to win there for the first time since 1999. All right. Thanks so much. More on the Eastern Insider podcast when we return after this. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. Welcome back inside the Eastern Insider and another edition of Tom's Takes. It's been a few weeks off. We've let your voice recover, although (laughs) your heart is probably still racing after that fantastic come-from-behind win against Western Michigan here at the factory this past weekend. Tom, you were on the sidelines the whole game. You got to see the highs and the lows, the emotions throughout the contest. What was it from your vantage point that made it so special on Saturday night? I think it was just a great emotional football game. And when it started, it looked like it was going to be an Arena League football game. Maybe whoever has the ball last was going to win that one. And uh, defensively, Eastern able to slow Western up, stop him on a few occasions, get back into the ball game. At the end of that ball game, I mean, first of all, Sexton makes an unbelievable catch for the touchdown. Then we get the deflection interception to Hubbard. And then a punt play that lasted 12 seconds, which there were Western guys yelling at the returner to pick up the ball. But to kill 12 seconds with a punt and win the game is absolutely unbelievable. My favorite part of the game may have been my brother, who is an EMU grad, was at the game with his 14-year-old son and a friend of, friend of the 14-year-old. And he goes, kids, you don't understand. This is different Eastern Michigan football than I'm used to. Like, 10 years ago, we don't win that game. Like, this is unbelievable it was great football and I think it's energizing the fan base you know there's there's people coming back you and I have talked about it all season that people are coming back and they're enjoying the football they're seeing just a huge win over Western okay we've got to talk about uh the guy who certainly fans may have not known the name before this weekend but they certainly know it now Preston Hutchinson comes in fills in for Mike Glass this week it's his first collegiate start not only does he start the game He goes 31 of 36 through the air, 357 yards, three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown to go along with it. 
he was on fire from the start. I don't think I've ever seen a performance like that in a debut. I, what do you see from the sidelines on that? I mean, how impressed were you? Because I, I know I've had confidence in Preston, and people who know him says he's a gamer, but you can't expect that out of a guy making his first start. Well, let's put it in perspective. When you have a quarterback like Mike Glass, who's a senior, the general thought is, listen, this is your guy, and you better hope he doesn't get hurt because you've got younger guys behind him, and the quality of the offense may drop. Well, Glass gets hurt against Ball State. Preston Hutchinson gets the start, and I just, just mean comes out slinging right out of the gate. I think it tells you a little bit about Division I football and how good you are on the depth chart, that the difference between number one and number two can be minuscule, and you got to give Hutchinson a lot of credit for being prepared. He had the advantage of knowing Glass was hurt and that he probably would get the start in this game, and it's a little different than just coming off the bench in the second quarter and kind of getting into the flow of things. But, man, he was prepared. He was ready, showed great athletic ability, spread the ball around, and this team did not miss a beat offensively. I thought it was a fantastic performance, and it certainly makes me feel good about the future when Glass graduates at yeah. the end of the year. And you're a former athlete, so talk a little bit, too, about... I'm still kind of an yeah, athlete. Well, you're yeah. still kind of I an work athlete. work out like twice yeah, a month. He works out twice a month. That's <laughs> probably more than Greg and I work out. But So you're a former athlete, you're a former college football player. Yeah. Talk about Jairus Grissom then, too, because he gets... And he's, a, he's had an interesting uh, go of it since he's got here. He comes in as a quarterback because of Glass and Hutchinson and Tyler Wiegers last year, gets transitioned to wide receiver to start this year, but then comes back in on Saturday. It's kind of a QB2. He gets a couple packages yeah. designed for him. He comes into the game. A guy that hasn't really passed much, he goes four or five passing. He uses his legs at key times. Of course, adds the two-point conversion at the end of the game with a uh, front flip into the end zone uh, to really help seal the deal for Eastern. How hard is it for a player to be able to do all that? And does it make it that much more impressive for Jairus to be able to come in after not playing quarterback this whole season and offseason, right. really, and then have a performance like that? You know who he reminds me of is Cordell Stewart when they called him Slash. Could do more than just be a quarterback. The nice thing about Jairus is that he's so athletic, you've got to find ways to get him on the field. And that's part of the reason why they'd moved him to wide receivers, because he's so athletic and you want to get the ball in his hands. We have seen him at quarterback a couple of times earlier in the season as a quarterback wildcat formation, but never threw the ball. Right. Now they had to open up his package. This creates a lot of headaches for teams defensively. Now if you're Toledo, you got to look at film at Mike Glass. you got to look on film at Hutchinson. you got to look on film at Jairus. You start having to spread out what the defense has to worry about, and that's an advantage offensively for Eastern Michigan. So let's talk a little bit too about you talked just that you alluded to it earlier, but the stadium atmosphere at Ryan Nearson Saturday it was the first night game with uh, the new building and the backdrop, the lights. I don't know if you've ever had seen it, but the lights it freaks people out when they've seen it for the first time. The lights shut on and off. They do their own kind of light show here, of course, in between the third and fourth quarter, the Eastern lights. But one thing that I really noticed too, for the first time in a couple of weeks, uh, because we know it's been a tough couple of weeks, is when the band was playing, when the music was loud, our team was excited on the sideline like they have not been in a couple of weeks, jumping up and down, uh, really supporting one another, kind of bringing a new energy. Does th is that what resonated with you? Did you notice that too? Yeah. I, how much does the night atmosphere contribute to that? I don't remember seeing that type of energy 
in the Central Michigan game, and I don't recall seeing that same energy against Ball State. It seemed a lot different. I don't know, you know, when we talked to Jeff Hubbard at uh, the press conference, he seemed to think, no, it was business as usual for us. It felt like they kicked it up a little bit. And how can you not when the lights are going, the band's there, it was a good crowd, you're in prime time, you're playing against Western Michigan. I think that energy played into this game quite a bit. So from a player's perspective too, now you transition from that to going on the road in a pretty hostile environment, as hostile as it gets in the MAC at the Glass Bowl in Toledo. One of uh, everybody knows one of the better fan bases in the MAC. They show out um, and they show up. So as a player, how do you make that transition now, knowing hey, our season's not done, right. our goals are still ahead of us. Right. The MAC has been absolutely crazy this year. Everybody's been losing. Bananas. Everybody's winning. Yeah. The goals are still there. With all of that going on, how do you? Keep it laser focused to make sure you go one and zero. You can go down to Toledo this week and get the first win in the Glass Bowl since 1999. This is going to sound insane. I think it's better that this game is on the road. I think Eastern Michigan really rallies when they hit the road. We saw it when they went down to Coastal Carolina. We saw it at Illinois. There's something about this team on the road that they really circle the wagons and can play some solid football. I think they look forward to the task. And I think they can go down there and do a lot of damage. I think it's a good week to go on the road. I know that sounds crazy. Like, most teams want to be home. I think this team, on occasion, has showed they're actually a better road team than they are at Rynearson. And they're a good team at Rynearson. Yeah, and it's going to be a tough task. We all know it. As I just alluded to, looking for the first win in the Glass Bowl since 1999. 1999, what, I was... What were you doing in 1999? I was... Uh, I was Barely born. I was only two years oh, old at the time. Man. What were you doing in 1999? You had more hair to worry about man. back then, but. Uh... We don't know that. You know, the hairline <laughs> might have eroded early. 99, I was a uh, the sports director at Fox Television in San Diego. Wow. Yeah. I would, I'd, I'd already been in TV for six years <laughs> in 1999. <laughs> oh, my gosh. While you were still running around in your, uh, your huggies. <laughs> yeah, well, but no, I think I was trained been, by then. It's been, a, a, long it's been time. a long time. Greg Steiner was a senior in high school, and now he is where he's at as the associate AD uh, for media relations here at Eastern Michigan. That is hard to think about. Have you have you spent much time in Toledo in your days? I mean, they've got a big, you know, they're a big hot dog city down there with yeah, uh, yeah. Tony Paco's and Rudy's and all the, you know, the mash and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so... You got a favorite haunt down there you like to go to? Um, I, you know, I prefer to get into Toledo and out of Toledo quickly, you know. <laughs> You're I'm in, in Eastern Mich- guy, it's a rival huh? city. I don't like it. I get that. I get that. I, I mean, I, nothing of note in Toledo, you know, but it's close. I mean, it's... Hey. It's really as close as... Back to your family be. by Saturday night. I, I will. I'll be, I'll be back to the house, ready to roll <laughs> to watch all the evening games. All right, well, hopefully we'll be talking to you next week after a second consecutive Eastern Michigan win. It would be a big one on the road. Well, it's really the... up to you if I'm on the show or not. That's like, true. Like well, when you say fan, you hope you talk to me next week, all you got to do is ask. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I hope I'm talking to you as you know, in a good mood since we won the game. Only you can control That'd your That'd be mood, fantastic. Alex. Well, and <laughs> only Chris Creighton and his squad can control whether we're going to win the game or not. So until next week, we thank Tom as always. This has been another edition of Tom's Takes. And remember... If the information's wrong, it's because of him, not because of me. So That's a fact. If you can't get down to Toledo, make sure you listen to Tom, uh, Rob Rubick, and Matt Shepard on 89.1 WEMU and catch the game from there. Otherwise, it's on ESPN Plus 
or we'll see you at the Glass Bowl in your green. Let's paint Toledo green this week as they try to get a MAC win at the Glass Welcome back inside the Eastern Insider Podcast. I'm lucky to be joined now by the head rowing coach here at Eastern, Kemp Savage, coming off an incredibly impressive finish at the head of the Charles race. They were in Cambridge, Massachusetts last weekend, and a great program finish, fifth overall. They beat teams like Pennsylvania, Boston College, some really heavy hitters in the rowing scene. And Coach, you and I were just talking a little bit about uh, – how great of a finish it was. How proud of you are your team uh, after such a great showing? Uh, I mean, it's you're, you're always proud no matter what. But um, it really comes to me of like putting things together. Like I knew we were fast. I knew we had the potential to be in the top five. But in the past, we haven't quite raced up to that potential or been able to put everything together on race day. So it's really seeing the consistency start to show up and really execute at a high level. Um you know, eh. it, it, it was good. It was really good. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like the first part of that was completely couching of like, oh, I'm always <laughs> proud. But it, that's important. Um, you know, the kids work real hard every day and it's finally seeing the results of their effort. And now it's just continuing to roll the ball downhill. Well, for those of you that don't know, I can attest firsthand to how hard the rowers here at Eastern Michigan work. They're always out uh, on the track inside Brad Nearson Stadium doing, I think, what Coach calls super miles, doing full sets of stairs followed by mile-long runs, doing that four or five-plus times a day. It looks absolutely miserable, but, of course, leading to better finishes uh, on the course. So, Coach, you talked a lot about uh, doing the little things right, piecing that together. For those that aren't as familiar with rowing, what are some of those little things that have to be done in, in a race to, to pull off top five uh, finishes? Well, it's really uh, the rowing strokes the same every time. It's the small changes that happen as you fatigue and as you kind of breaks down as you go over the, the distance. Um, what's particularly hard about the fall racing is it's a 5K distance. So in this case, like 16, 15 minutes of max effort. Uh, so then towards that back half where that fatigue really starts to play a role is in the small movements, getting your blade in the water correctly, getting attached, and then, you know, being able to keep the balance on the recovery because you're on a round bottom boat where on water, it's hard to balance when it's only about a foot and a half wide. So it's, it's those small movements and being able to really have the fitness and have had the discipline over the time as we do our long steady state to bring that into the race. And then, also, when you get around, uh, you know, we started 13th, so we passed two or three boats, and there's a lot of traffic on this course, and it's a pretty thin course going through several bridges, not getting overexcited when you're near a boat, and just executing your ability rather than trying to do something extra, and just keeping your same stroke, keeping your same length, and focus, and being able to just row through people rather than coming down to their level just because you're next to them and you're Punch, counter punch. No, we want to be able to just drive right by them. Coach, talk a little bit about your lineup and some of the key pieces of it. Because something I noticed, especially with the group that you had in Cambridge this weekend, is it seems like you've got 
that senior leadership, but also a good balance of some younger rowers in there too. Some seniors, I noticed multiple freshmen in there as well, a, so a couple of sophomores, a junior. How important is it for success to have kind of a full mix of different perspectives and different experience levels uh, in order to, to kind of gel the team and bring them together? Uh, I think that really states kind of partially what the seniors have helped to build here of we're now getting freshmen that are fast enough to be in our 1V as recruits, not just trying to build them over the next couple of years. Uh, these same, you know, this group of seniors, uh, Haley Dutton, who was the stroke of the boat, uh, is the only rower who's raced all three times even at the Charles. Amanda Flora has been there twice. She didn't get to go last year because she had raced internationally the previous summer, and that made her not eligible to row last year in this event. Um, and then Ashley Matzik, as her seniors, like all three of them have kind of put in the long, hard grind and have had other people who didn't make it through around them. And they've, they've taken each step uh, with the program to really build it. Uh, you know, at this point they've been here four out of the six years I have as the head coach and really seen the growth of the program through their efforts and their work. Um, as far as the rest, like it's, it's really great that um, our coxswain, this is a super coxswain heavy course because there's a lot of steering, a lot of turns and bridges. Uh, this is Eve's fifth time down the course. She did a couple as a junior, and this is her third time uh, with us in college. And she really has stepped up her game this year to really take over and kind of demand her lane, not just acquiesce when people are around. Um, and then you know, I can't speak enough about, you know, we had two freshmen two sophomores and three juniors in the boat. Uh, like I can't speak enough about all of them. Um, you know, the freshmen stepping up and showing up and, you know, really stepping into those roles. Uh, our juniors coming back from the dad bail boat last year that did a lot of work and are incredibly fast. And our juniors who have kind of really dialed in in the last year, because looking back only two people, uh, from last year's boat race this year, and most everyone was around at the time. So they really stepped up and kind of gotten an idea of where we can go and where we're going and then stepped up to take us there. I know it's a hard question to answer because there's so much that goes into it, but what's been the single biggest reason you feel like the program's been able to grow at the rate it has? I mean, this no secrets about it in the last couple of years, really taken another step forward. And I know that whether it's talking to, to you or administration or whoever it may be, the expectations are to keep getting bigger and better and, and growing and really have high expectations for what rowing could be here at Eastern Michigan. So what's been kind of the biggest factor and, and what can we look forward to in the future? Uh, the biggest factor for growth, like, again, like you said, it's so hard to answer. I think it's just we look to do each step of the process right, not – try and do 15 things at once. Let's get this thing right and then move on to step two and get that right in step three. Um, and as coaches, that's a little more balanced because, you know, you're trying to get the rowing right. You're trying to get the training plan right. Uh, you're trying to recruit correctly. You're trying to make sure that the academics are taken care of. Like, so each of those things needs to be right. And then balancing them, I think we've gotten better and better at. Uh, it, it really is an overall look and a attention to details is a huge thing with me. And I really think that we're getting the details right uh, on each thing and getting better involved in 
each other and you know our, as coaches we're overlapping more and working with each other's strengths and kind of plugging any gaps we have in our knowledge and skills so i i just think it's it's an overall whole program and you know i guess the easy answer it comes to the athletes like they have bought in and see how fast they can be and see what the potential of the program is and then taking those steps and taking the ownership of it. Like it's their team. Like I can't row the seat for them and that's, I can show them how to go fast, but they have to take those steps. And it's, it's huge for them because they are really, really important athletes and that they are taking it on and taking it on their shoulders and going, it's our time. It's our races to win. And that's, I'd love to say that that's my doing, but it's, it's them. It's find the right people. Well, that'll do it for another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thank you, as always, to all of our guests and, most importantly, you, the listeners. We couldn't do it without you, and we're so excited to be able to bring you all things Eastern straight from the source every week. As always, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcasts, including this year from our own website, emueagles.com slash podcasts. Make sure you stay with us every Monday. We'll be back next week bigger and better than ever. Until then, go green, go white, and go Eastern, and have a great week.